0: This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com Cue the music. Let's get the intro going. All right, we're ready. Good morning. It is the 17th day of October 2023. This is Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. You listen to this radio station at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday, because I am broadcasting from the heart of America and can be reached at restoringthefaithmedia.gmail.com. Check out my videos on The Rundown, which is his own YouTube channel, occasionally canceled, always carried on crusademax.com, as well as Restoring the Faith Media, RTF, on YouTube. Facebook, and the Twitter. If you send me an email, there is a good chance that it will be read. There is a less than good chance that it will be responded to. Today, we are going, you know, I have not talked enough about a certain fake news organization. But sometimes even a dumb monkey gets the answer right. I'm going to talk about how the answer was arrived at, why it's right, how it's right. We're going to go through systematically, uh, but there is some behind the scenes stuff that you need to understand before you start thinking, oh, wow, Michael Voris does care about children. He doesn't. Absolutely does not. There is a child protection problem at Church Militant. It's been going on for a long time, it is deep-seated, and, um, and nobody there is absolved of anything. But there's an article out on churchmaleficent.com, I don't recommend going to it, okay? I have safely obtained the article without having to give them a click, and I don't want you to give them a click either, nor do I want them to try to hack you or embed some weird code in your computer, or trace you, or scrape your IP address, or whatever it is that they try to do when you click their links. It's malicious. It's wrong. I don't stand for it. So, I'm not directing you over to churchmaleficent.com. But if you were to safely obtain an article that they finally put out yesterday. After two years of trying not to publish this article, after two years of pretending that they would, their hand was forced, and their hand was forced by me. I'll give you the background story, but let's get into the article. It's called Interpretation of Canon Law Allows Rapists to Go Free After Short Period of Prayer and Penance. That's the byline. The headline is Cameroonian rapist priest rehabilitated. Let's get into it. A ruling from the dicastery for the doctrine of faith has placed a rapist priest back on the job in Africa and canon law helped that to happen. Just digest that. That thought for a moment. You're telling me that there is a defect in canon law which is so obvious and so apparent that rapist priests are protected by canon law? That's what they're saying. Yes, that's what they're saying because that's what is true. Now, don't get me wrong here. Don't misunderstand me. Just because Church Maleficent says something doesn't make it true. What I am amazed at is that there is something that is true which Church Maleficent also is saying. Like I said, broken clock, right every now and then, twice a day, technically. On July 1st, 2023, Father Hilary Nagomi, who confessed to raping at least one 13-year-old girl, was fully returned to ministry by a Vatican decree, according to Bishop Michael Miyabesu Bibi, prelate of the diocese in Cameroon. He announced the decree in a public letter dated August 23rd, 2023. Okay, background. Priest admits rape. According to an affidavit from the family, on August of 2018, Father Nogomi, then a parish priest of St. Martin de Por's Parish in Likimba, asked a young girl to clean his residence. When she came to clean his room, he forced her onto the bed and raped her. Sources close to the victim maintain that another priest who was related to Nagome subsequently told the victim in confession that she would go to hell if she told anybody about the rape. These sources further contend that Nagome continued to sexually abuse the girl until she began to show indications of pregnancy. It was only then that her father learned what had happened. The girl's father then sought to kill the priest with a machete. Good for him. See, this is a proper country. Okay, places like the Congo, Nigeria, Cameroon. These places are considered to be backwards by the West. This is a proper country. The girl's father then sought to kill the priest with a machete. It's a shame he fell short. While saying Mass, Nagom saw the father approaching and stopped the Mass. (laughs) Nagomi yelled to the congregation that the rebels had come to the church to kill him, portraying the situation as a political issue. Let me just stop there for a second, too. This disgusting bastard priest. You're not allowed to stop the Mass. For any reason, once the liturgy starts, it goes. This is a little-known rule, I think, that people don't understand. Once the liturgy begins, it must be completed, and if the priest dies, another priest has to step in and finish the liturgy exactly where it left off. Once the liturgy begins, there is no stopping mass. There's no interruption. There's no turning to the people. That's a Vatican II thing turning to the people constantly and dialoguing with them. So, anyway, I don't know if this was even a real mass or not or some bogus sort of thing. But this disgusting creature, bastard priest who's raping girls in the parish, also is raping our Lord in the liturgy by using it as a political tool. Nagomi called for the military to come and kill the girl's father. When the military came, however, they asked the father's, the victim's father why he had planned to kill the priest. <laughs> After the father explained the situation, military officials approached Nagomi, asking if the father's rape allegations were true. He immediately confessed to the crimes and exclaimed, it was the devil that did it. Authorities did not pursue the situation, calling it an internal church matter. Nagomi was dropped off at the residence of Bishop Bushu, Emmanuel Bushu, who removed Nagomi from his parish and sent him to live with family. Now, Bishop Bushu is pretty base. I have heard audio of Bishop Bushu being like, Yeah, I did everything I could to sack this guy, but canon law protected him. Around November 2019, the victim's family submitted a formal complaint to Bishop Bushu, but only a month later, Bushu resigned because, at 75, he had reached mandatory retirement. The newly installed B.B. studied the case in 2020 and forwarded it to the Vatican. After more than two years, in April 2022, the Vatican decreed Father Nogomi would have to undergo a 14-month sentence of prayer and penance. During that time he would have to live at the bishop's residence and be barred from conducting weddings and hearing confessions. He was, however, allowed to participate in public liturgies, later seen participating in public masses and ordinations. His sentence ended on july first, and BB announced in August that the priest was now permitted to return to full ministry. That's what's happened. Father N'Gomi is hardly the only rapist priest in the Third World to get away with these crimes. He is hardly the only one who is able to hide behind canon law. Uh, there's this interesting. There's this interesting quandary. It's called unequal treatment. Bb the bishop, has been accused of purging certain faithful clergy from the diocese, including removing from ministry six religious associations of priests and several deacons and seminarians that were removed without pay. But since April 2020, Bb has pulled from ministry 44 diocesan clerics, 30 deacons, 14 seminarians, despite no official legal action against them. These men, several of whom were interviewed by this journalist, await a response from the dicastery of the new evangelization which is hearing their case their case has been placed under administrative silence so in other words BB can pull guys out of ministry for no reason whatsoever, doesn't even have to state a reason but if a guy is raping children he can't get rid of them, he has to be rehabilitated that's what this canon law problem is going to say Let's go there now. I hope I'm I hope I haven't lost you yet. Because in this segment of the show, which is brought to you by The Founders Trading Post, go to shop.mikechurch.com. If you are getting lost in this right now, you need to have another cup of coffee, which you can buy premium blends of coffee at shop.mikechurch.com. Uh there are two or three or four different blends that you can buy. All superior to Folgers. So dump the the nappy bean water and get yourself something that can help your mind focus, because this is an important story, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the canon law problem in the Catholic Church, which may be protecting child abusers. Okay, the segment of the article is called Canon Law Problem. The new aspects of canon law that are causing the seemingly universal public benefit for rapists have to do with a topic seldom discussed by Catholic media, imputability. In Catholic theology, this term refers to the degree of responsibility a person has for his actions. A person who does not who does something fully understanding that they are doing while fully intending to do the action is deemed fully capable or responsible to God for the action in question. Catholic moral theology recognizes six hindrances to full imputability. Ignorance, fear, passion, habits, violence, and mental disorder. In recent times, canon lawyers, bishops, and Vatican courts have claimed that clerical pedophiles and ephebophiles, adults attracted to post-pubescent adolescence are not, that that would be like McCarrick, are not fully responsible for their actions. Church law even states that in cases where an accused cleric undergoes the canonical penal process, the case may be dismissed or acquitted if the alleged offender is deemed not imputable. Now, this theory, this is where it gets really important here. Okay, I need you to zoom in on what I'm saying. This theory is traced back to the writings of a quote-unquote monsignor named Tom Doyle, who had written on the subject when he was a practicing cleric in the 1990s. Tom Doyle is a faggot homosexual sodomite. No, no, no question about it. Everybody knows this. He's a non-practicing fake priest. He's not been laicized. He's not been punished. He's not been set aside. He's not been uh, uh, disciplined at all, whatsoever. He doesn't even pretend to be a priest. He goes by Tom Doyle. When you inter- when he introduces himself, he's like, "Yeah, I'm Tom. Nice to meet you." He is a faggot homosexual sodomite. Is that redundant? So of course he would have a connection to Gary Michael Voris. Of course he would. Continuing. Canon Law Commentaries quoted him, referring to the expertise of secular psychologists from Washington, D.C., as their basis for decreasing punishment for pedophiles. Doyle, however, has since changed his position. He has since left the church to become a secular psychologist specializing in addictions. This is now his position. Okay, I'm going to read you his position. Tom Doyle, the guy who left the priesthood but didn't, like, walk away and get laicized. He just literally was like, eh, I don't feel like being a priest anymore. And he just apostatized. Nothing happened to him. No censure. No one ever said, hey, maybe we should read Tom Doyle's books. No. Tom Doyle is still quoted by the right and the left. Tom Doyle is still quoted by Janet Smith. She's a professor, so-called. She's a conservative, so-called. Does she have a connection to Gary Michael Voris? Of course she does. Does she have a connection to the USCCB? Of course she does. Do you see what's happening here? Quote, for many years, I have totally disagreed with the canon that says, Those with mental disorders are not culpable or fully culpable. I believe that should apply to those who have active psychiatric disorders that truly impede their will. Pedophilia is a paraphilia. I now know that pedophiles, no matter how compelled they are, can make a choice. For the record, and something you probably don't know, I am a recovering alcoholic with almost 31 years of sobriety. I am also a licensed addictions therapist. Through all that, I learned a lot, and among other things, that the Vatican Curia knows very little about addictions, mental illness, psychiatric disorders, personality disorders, etc. Is this is this not your typical uh, uh, fake Freudian shrink? Is this not your absolute baseline story of a guy who becomes a shrink? Why did I become a shrink? Because I'm crazy myself and I'm interested in my own insanity. They're all homo-narcissists. Homo-narcissists. No wonder this guy has been quoted by Mark Balistrieri, who works for Michael Morris! Mark Balistrieri, canon lawyer, loves Tom Doyle, quotes him all the time, uses this stuff, agrees that Tom Doyle is the basis for this canon law thing where it says the more children you rape, the more likely you are to be rehabilitated. Rape more children because you have, that gives you job security in the Catholic church. If you want job security in the Catholic church, rape at least 15 children because that will tell you that you're not imputed. You have no imputability for the crime because you're addicted to raping children and it's not your fault. It's a mental disorder. Why? Because Tom Doyle said so. Who's Tom Doyle? He's the faggot former priest that's never been censured, who left the Catholic Church and recanted those theories, but they're still repeated by guys like Mark Balastriri and Janet Smith. Just to name a few. Just to name a few. His former position, this is, the, this is the author here of the article, not, uh, not Tom Doyle anymore, the faggot. His former position, however, is still being quoted by canon lawyers and instructors of canon law. One of them is Father Peter Akpolferian, the judicial vicar of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. He oversees three canonical tribunals in the area. So, this is actually happening to this day. The judicial vicar in New Orleans is still under the belief that Tom Doyle's former position is the correct position. In other words, more victims, more job security for Catholic priests. Rape away, Father. Rape away, Brother. Rape away, Mr. Cleric. In his recent book Canon Law Evidence of Penal Cases Acpojerin, I can't say his name, Acpojeron continues to support Doyle's old position. He verbally confirmed that he would reconsider using Doyle's position and amending his books, but when he was asked on the record in writing, he did not agree to revise his book which does not note which does not note that Doyle has changed his position. Okay. I need to tell you that in writing, that that on-the-record question, I asked that question. I asked him that question in writing. And he did not agree to change his position. He wrote back to me. And he did not agree to change his position. Even when presented with the fact that former Catholic apostate, headed to hell, self-shrink Freudian fraud, Tom Doyle, had changed his, his view. He's like, you know what? Now that I look back on my 31 years of alcoholism, I realize that pedophilia isn't the same as alcoholism. Because I really struggle with alcoholism, but I'm pretty sure pedophiles have a choice. Wow, give yourself a medal for being a genius there, Tommy. I wish Mark Balistrieri would come on the record. I wish we could get Balistrieri, the canon lawyer for Church Militant, the people who finally were forced to publish this article by me. I wish that Balistrieri would be quoted here. Unfortunately, I don't think Mark Balistrieri and Gary Michael Voris are on the best of terms right now. Something about a federal lawsuit? Something about uh, some hush money being paid? Something about... Uh, 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 Pretending not to work there? Conflict of interest? I don't know. Something about being a shady mofo uh, somehow has impeded Mark Balistrieri from commenting on this particular article because in times past, recent times past, any article at Church Mil- militant churchmaleficent.com would have gone through Mark Balistrieri if it mentioned canon law. Mark Ballasturi, after all, in Dallas, Texas, is a canon lawyer. He puts himself out there as a canon lawyer. He's going to be the one to take care of you when you need a canon lawyer. But he got caught scratching too many backsides, including the backside of Gary Michael Voris, which I hope he used hand sanitizer after that. Clip your nails really short. You're going to have to use some kind of level of sophisticated, I mean seriously, get the scuzz brush and you're going to scuzz underneath your nails, Mark, after scratching Voris's back. We're going to continue with this article and the insights Why I'm reading you this article Why I forced Church Militant To finally publish this article And even what they didn't want to publish Inside of this article When we come back after this Shameless profit break Don't go anywhere The juicy stuff Is yet to come Hey, I just met you Heard you're a groomer So here's your millstone good luck loser it's hard to look right when you're a pervert so take your millstone no kids will get hurt gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean down in the ocean alongside that Titan sub gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean throw them in the ocean with that Titanic sub Welcome back to the program. This is uh, Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday, broadcasting from the heart of America. And we have been talking in our first segment about canon law. Canon law is the law that governs the Catholic Church. And and this is an important story because some of you who are not Catholic out there are still affected by canonical things canon law and what the church does affects every everyone, all Christians for example when is Easter? How do you know when Easter is? Easter is when the Catholic Church says it is, period that's when Easter is celebrated so if you're a non-Catholic out there for example and you're like hey when is Easter? Just find out when the Vatican decrees that Easter is going to be and you'll know when your Easter is too Canon law is how governance happens in the Roman Catholic Church. And this is an important story because finally, finally, we have some level of accountability with Church Maleficent, of all people, they have serious, serious problems with protecting children, okay? They have very grave problems in Ferndale. And finally, after years, I have forced them to say the truth, which is something that they have a very troublesome relationship with in Ferndale. Ferndale and truth are just not the best of pals. But every now and then, they do have to admit the truth. And this was a long time in coming. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the background of that once we get through this article. This portion of the of Paratalk is brought to you by the Epoch Times. Subscribe today. Watch their new docu-film, No Farmers, No Food, Will You Eat the Bugs? Subscribe today through Crusade Channel for $1 for your first month by going to crusadechannel.com forward slash epoch. That's E-P-O-C-H. Let's continue with our article here. Given Doyle's change of heart, the position that canon law protects and should protect pedophiles by decreasing penalties for the impact of their pedophilia continues to be taught without proper sourcing today. According to the new commentary of the Code of Canon Law, these changes brought by the 1983 Code of Canon Law directly enhance, quote, the penal rights of alleged offenders. That's Beale, Coridan, and Green, page 1541. Here's the quote, quote, the current burden of proof is less stringent than in the former code, which required that the presumption of criminal intent be overturned by moral certitude, i.e. beyond reasonable doubt. The present code states simply that the presumption of imputability is verified unless the contrary is otherwise evident. Hence, any evidence posing reasonable questions about such imputability suffice to overturn the presumption. This legal change reflects the present code's somewhat more pastoral thrust since it enhances the penal rights of alleged offenders, end quote. This is because of the new weakness in canon law that have plagued the Catholic Church since 1983, and these weaknesses remain today. So check this out. We've had two overhauls of canon law in the last hundred and plus years. We had the 1917 Code of Canon Law promulgated by Pope Pius X. He is a saint in the Catholic Church. He is in heaven. Pope Saint Pius X. An actual saint. The, you know, by the way, the number of popes who are in heaven for the 500 years between Pope Saint Pius V and Pope Saint Pius X in, those, in that 500, roughly 500-year 500 period, the number of popes in heaven are those two guys right there, Pius V, Pius X, period, end of story. In other words, you had more than 400 years worth of non-saintly popes. Interesting that suddenly every single Vatican II pope is allegedly in heaven. The Vatican II popes gave us the 1983 Code of Canon Law. The Vatican II Popes gave us the weakness in canon law, which makes an exception for child rapists. And says, well, we're just going to assume that they have no imputability unless you can find evidence that that they did it. Unless you can find evidence that they actually wanted to do it. The article continues. Holy priests are pulled from ministry, often on charges of not adequately maintaining peace with their community or by breaking what is called ecclesiastical communion since they do not claim to be of weak mind or mentally ill these accusations against them are not decreased in nature and so they face full punishment for the smallest of offenses so what he's saying here the 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 author of the article i think this isn't this isn't super clear here so on the one hand if you rape a bunch of kids You are way, way, way innocent until proven guilty. Like the pendulum is way over to the side of you're presumed to be good to go. You're going to be fine. Whereas if you do any of these slightest things like Canon 287 or breaking Ecclesiastical Communion, Canon 1741, you're done. You are pulled from service. You You are sacked. You want to talk about the coalition for canceled priests, or uh, or even or even just canceled priests in general? These guys didn't get canceled for raping kids. They got canceled for saying or thinking the wrong thing. If they had raped kids, they'd still be in ministry. That's what this article is saying. Final paragraph: All too often, clerics found guilty of sexual crimes are given lenient terms only having to do some form of prayer or penance after ruining the lives of victims and their families. Having interviewed the victim and witnesses and submitted the parents' affidavit to Rome along with the parents and their attorney, this journalist finds dubious and dishonest the argument that Father Ngoem is less responsible for his acts of rape and sex abuse of a child. Now, this article on churchmaleficent.com, it's already being hidden and suppressed. You can't find the article. It came out yesterday, and again, don't do this because you never know if they're going to hack you and spy on you if they're going to embed malicious code into their websites, okay? Don't go to churchmaleficent.com. But if you were to go to churchmaleficent.com, you would have to know that this article existed to find it. They have already gone out of their way to hide it. This is what people do who just want to quietly admit the truth because they've been forced to admit the truth, but they want to continue on grifting and raising money as if the truth has never been said. What do I mean by that? Suppose everything in this article is true. Suppose it's true canon law protects rapist priests that that any priest with a sexual deviancy of any kind is protected by canon law the governing law of the Catholic Church of the, of, of the world right, not of the United States not of Great Britain, not of Cameroon canon law governs the planet, okay the universal church, suppose it is true that the more victims you stack up, the more likely it is that you are going to be protected by the institution. Isn't that something that you would want people to know about? Doesn't that seem like the Achilles heel in the church sex abuse crisis? I mean, I'm just asking you to be logical here for a second with me. If you found out if you lived in a if you lived in a society where drunk driving was randomly killing children or maiming them or whatever and you found out that priests were drunk driving and Then you found out that bishops were taking drunk driving priests and after they maim a a child or two or 10, they would just transfer them three counties over where you might not notice that the drunk drivers drunk driving over there, too. And you were like, what are we going to do to solve this drunk driving abuse crisis in the church? And you keep thinking it through, and you're like, what is causing all the drunk driving? My goodness. Can we do something about it? And then you found out. 25 years after the abuse crisis came to the fold. Almost 25 years after Boston. And you found out, okay, 20. 20? 20 years after Boston, two decades, and you've had McCarrick, and you've had... Now, change all the sex abuse to drunk driving abuse, okay? Alcohol abuse. All You've had the McCarricks, and you've had, you've had uh, all the famous meltdowns and the indiscretions, and you're talking about a body bags, little mini-sized body bags for, for little, little children, dead, dead from drunk driving stacked them up thousands of body bags imagine this you, this is hard to imagine thousands of body bags of children from priests running them over while drunk okay this was an epidemic and you found out that Pope John Paul the Great the Greatest Pope John Paul the Greatest was just moving them around and Benny was moving them around And then you start to pull it back and you're pulling back the thread. You're like, why? Why are all these kids dead? And then you discover that it's because canon law says the more kids you run over in your drunken rage, the less culpable you are. And if you have no culpability for it, it's just a mental health thing. And if it's just a mental health thing, you can be rehabilitated and retained. If you found out that canon law protected the drunk driving priests who were killing children, and actually, in fact, when your bishop just transferred them three counties over, that he was acting perfectly in accordance with canon law, I think you would be disgusted. And I think at a certain point you would say, aha, I think I have found the true problem. I have found the real problem for this epidemic. And it is an epidemic. We live in a time when there is an epidemic of sexual abuse, clerical sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church. There can be no doubt about that. Nobody can argue that. Here we are holding... The actual cause and the actual cure. The key, the keystone. This is the keystone to the abuse crisis in the Catholic Church. And Church Maleficent didn't want to publish it. And even now that they have, they're trying to disavow it by just suppressing it on their website. You can't find it on their website unless you know what you're looking for. It's not even been out a whole day. It's been out 12 hours! And it is already suppressed. Now, reminder, I was featured as the number one news story on churchmillicent.com. Top U.S. news, or at least top three U.S. news for like 18 months, okay? There was nothing else happening on planet Earth, or at least in the United States. Roe v. Wade got overturned, and I was still the top U.S. news story on churchmaleficent.com. So when they want you to read something, they make it very, very clear, very obvious where they want to direct your eyeballs. But the Ferndale fags don't want you reading this because the Ferndale fags don't want you understanding that while they've made tens of millions of dollars... And that's not an exaggeration. Tens of millions of dollars off of being the quote unquote sex cops in the church that they have refused to tell you the truth about canon law. Mark Balistrary, their canon lawyer, refuses to tell the truth publicly. He refuses. Has he been bought off? Has he, How much hush money has been sent to him? If you go read their, they're in a big case right now. Church is getting sued in federal court. They're losing. They've been censured several times. Their attorney quit. <laughs> they had to go get another attorney. They're like, please come save us. We're losing. Part of why they're losing is because, well, Nazi Niles pretends to be a lawyer. She's not. She's not even licensed. <clears throat> The other reason they're losing is they have this improper relationship with Mark Balistrieri, a canon lawyer who supports this crap. Balistrieri privately will tell you yes, it's true. The 1983 code of canon law your interpretation of it that way the the way the bishops are moving people around he will admit that. How can you have a guy working for you on your staff how can you have a guy that you've given tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to, who's an expert on canon law? How can you have that guy working for you and still grift tens of millions of dollars off of individual cases of clerical abuse? I can't find the video, but there was, there was a video that Nazi Niles put out, Christine Niles, Saigon Karen. Wine box Niles. Kami Karen. Kami Karen is on camera saying, you know, if priests would stop abusing children, we'd be out of a job. <laughs> she said the quiet part out loud. It is true. If priests stopped abusing children, Gary the fairy would have to get a real job. Tommy Karen would have to go back to her husband. I don't love him all the time no more. I don't like my husband no more. I like my work husband. My work husband can't help me no more. These people have raised and spent millions and millions of dollars on the backs of abuse Victims. And it is only because I have forced them to publish this article by calling them out for not publishing it that they finally put it on their website. But again, you can't find it. See, this is how they admit the truth quietly, in a whisper. Probably in a month, this link won't even work anymore. It'll redirect to some other stupid article about Trump or Bobby Kennedy. And I can confirm to you today, here on Parrot Talk, this is what you waited for, the juicy detail. Here it is. I can confirm to you that in April of 2021, that's more than two years ago, Church Militant had this article ready to go. And they refuse to publish it because, and I quote, we are all hands on deck working right now on Mike Parrott's deposition. We don't have time to do the research to verify this article. Now, there are only two possibilities with that. Number one, it may be true that all their resources were invested in trying to destroy my life. And they, and they did not want to be distracted by telling the truth. Or number two, it's a really crappy excuse for why you wouldn't tell the people the truth about the sexual abuse crisis in the church. Those are the only two possibilities Neither of them looks good. Neither of them are acceptable. So for the people who portray themselves as the sex cops in the Catholic Church to finally, but very quietly, stumble across truth, it whacks them in the face and trips them, and they stumble down the stairs, they get up quietly, dust themselves off, and meander over to whatever it is that they're doing as their organization continues to fail. The faggots in Ferndale finally have said something that is true, even though they don't even want you to read it. They've been forced into the corner, and you can see it even in the way that they positioned the article on their hate site. One small victory for truth, I guess. Don't get me wrong, I'm celebrating that they finally admitted the truth. Don't get me wrong, I'm celebrating the fact that 10 or 20 or 30 Fixed income retiring boomers are going to read the article. That's their core demo. Fixed income, low information boomers. I don't think that they're going to draw the conclusions out of the article that you, the illustrious audience at the Crusade Channel, are going to draw. I don't think they're going to realize the implications that you, the high IQ, high information audience at the Crusade Channel, are going to conclude They're not going to be asking questions about the 1983 code of canon law versus the 1917 code of canon law. Why why is all of Vatican II built around protecting sex abuse? Isn't this a reason to reject Vatican II? No, church militant doesn't want this information coming out for two reasons. Number one, it indicts new church. This lays squarely, squarely at the foot Of Vatican II. This is the 1983 code of canon law. This is John Paul the greatest. They don't want that. They don't want that at all. They don't want you questioning Vatican II. They don't want you thinking about liturgy. They love Vatican II. In flamboyant Ferndale. They go out of their way to mock traditionalists at all times. And number two, with the debate being flung open by Archbishop Vigano, who was lauded by Church Militant, by Father Altman, who was platformed, by church militant Don't you have to be Catholic to be pope? That's that's just the question that they're asking, right? Don't you have to believe the tenets of the faith? Don't you have to take care of children? Don't you have to get rid of the cancer of sex abuse in the Catholic Church? To be pope? So this really strengthens the Sede argument, this truth. That's also why they don't want you hearing it. And finally, the third and most important reason why they don't want you hearing this. This is, the and and this is why you come to this show. I will leave you with this. Ponder this. They get fanatical in Fabulous Ferndale about attacking the Society of St. Pius X, the Latin Mass, the SSPX. They go out of their way every time there is a victim of abuse. And there are like 900 SSPX priests, so uh, there's going to be an abuse victim at some point in the last 50 years. Every time there is one, they immediately start claiming that it was mishandled, that it was transferred, that it wasn't done correctly, that it wasn't handled properly. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold the tapes. What if it was done exactly according to the canon law of 1983? What if the SSPX is handling abuse victims exactly, precisely to the letter of the law, exactly the way they should handle it, according to the 1983 code of canon law? Uh Uh-oh. I guess... I guess Fabulous Ferndale's argument against the SSPX just melted down. I guess they just now I know why it's suppressed on their website. Now I know why they don't want you reading the article. Now I know why even though I was able to bully them into publishing this thing that they did so with a whimper with a a pathetic little whimper. They whispered the truth hoping you wouldn't hear it, hoping that it would the, the sound waves of the whisper would dissipate in the winds. Don't let them get away with that. Don't let flamboyant Ferndale sneak a fast one by you. If Bishop fillet is an abuse victim advocate, if he's if he's if he's the one transferring priests around and mishandling credible accusations of priestly abuse, Well, Gary the Fairy, well, Winebox Niles, he's just playing by your rules. You love Vatican II. You love the 1983 Code. You love John Paul the Greatest. You love the Bogus Ordo Mass. You love the invention of the religion in 1967. You love all that stuff. He's just playing by your rules. He's literally doing what you're supposed to do according to the 1983 Code of Canon Law. So what say you? Gary the faggot. Thank you for listening. I get passionate about protecting children because these people in Ferndale have no desire to protect children. Thank God for the Crusade Channel where we can finally expose this stuff. I hope you consider yourself better educated about this issue, and we may have to talk about it again tomorrow. Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Wednesday is going to be a good day. I'll see you then. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com.